Hey friends, you're listening to the Hope and Heart Pills podcast where we're talking all things resilience and revolution. I'm one of your hosts, Andre Henry. And I'm your other host, Trishes. And today we have a very special guest today. Dr. Shonda Reynolds is joining us. Dr. Shonda is a psychologist, speaker, and podcaster based in D.C.? Yes. Okay. Glad I remember that. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here with us, Dr. Shonda. Thanks for having me. And I must say, like, y'all have the perfect podcast voices, like... It's like <laughs> your voice wow, and her you so voice much. together. It's just, yeah, no, like seriously. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wow. What a compliment. You are listening to the smooth sounds of, I don't yes, know. I, I do talk differently. It's giving this jockey. I talk differently <laughs> because my mic doesn't have like a pop filter. So okay. I have to speak pretty it, sensitively to this on the microphone. Okay. Is that why you talk like an ASMR lady? Yes. yes. Yeah, because it doesn't have a pop filter. Oh my God. I didn't realize that. Oh, can you teach me? I'll get you a pop filter. I mean, I I don't mind talking like this. Do you mind me talking like this? No, I love you talking like that. But now I feel like you should start a course on how to do do your ASMR voice. That's why Mike was saying, like, I, I knew you were a musician because you're talking without a pop filter and there's no. Right. There we go. Yeah, here we are. All right. Well, let's get into it, okay? <laughs> but also, while we're giving while we're giving out compliments, can we talk about the light in Doctor Shonda's screen? She's like an like, angel. Wow. It's the I know sun, that's what y'all. it looks like. Like around this time of day, the sun just like starts beaming down. I really want to close my blind, but uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It looks like something divine is happening over there. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just yeah. say means- the glory of God. You know. All of you should follow us on the internet so you can see what's happening if you're just listening. This is very true. Speaking of things that we should be talking about before we get into it, this show is brought to you by our generous patrons at Patreon. Thank you, everyone who supports this show. If you want to be a part of making this kind of valuable content available, go to patreon.com slash Andre Henry and support the show. I think that's my link. If not, Ross will correct me at the end of the show. Dr. Shonda, let's get into it. First off, again, thank you so much for being here. It's a long time coming. We yes. played tag for a little bit, getting on each other's shows. Yes. But it is an honor to have you. It's an honor um, to be here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Y'all are in so, LA? I'm sorry to cut y'all off. Yeah, yeah. we are. We are in LA. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Uh, Trish okay. is in I'm North, in North Hollywood. Hollywood. We could, we could be in the same and place. I'm in East Hollywood. We just choose to only <laughs> yeah, see each other on the internet. Be. Trish, how far are you from my place? Like 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Because North Hollywood's not far. We do. Me. I mean, we saw each other like two days ago. We see yeah. each other in real life sometimes. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're friends. We're we get friends. together for things. So, Dr. Shonda, let's talk about your work. I know that you're a psychologist, but could you tell our listeners what you specialize in, what you're passionate about in the mental yeah. health field? Yeah. So a lot of people get psychologists and psychiatrists confused. So let me just explain Mm -hmm. what a psychologist does. So a psychologist Mm -hmm. is someone who studies human behavior. Uh, We're able to provide therapy. We're able to do assessments such as like IQ tests and assessing for things Mm -hmm. like ADHD, personalities. Like when you watch TV and somebody holds up an ink blot and they ask you like, what is this? Like, that's actually what we Mm -hmm. do. It's a part of the assessments that Mm. we do. Uh, So that's a little Mm. bit of the work 
that Wait, a you do that? Is. Yeah, that's a real. I did not test. realize Rorschach tests were like actually used. I thought maybe they were like I of thought the that Freudian was like era. Just a thing you saw on. Yeah. I thought you just saw that like on Animaniacs or something. I know because like it's something that people it's it's really uh, glorified in pop culture. Like you'll even see how one of the ink blots that looks like the bat, like it's used in um for not some Netflix show. It's like the logo for a Netflix mm-hmm. show right now. Oh so, really? Um, yeah, yeah. But it's real life. And people use it a lot of times um, when they're assessing personality traits and stuff like in the court system. It's really popular yeah. when mm. using it. Um, wow. Yeah. I have a song yep. coming out tomorrow. And one of the lines is, is freedom some kind of Rorschach test? And that's so just cute. think on that, listener. Are you, allow- <laughs> are you allowed to tell us what that means, Trish? Or are we supposed to read into it? It's supposed to be open to interpretation. I love oh, that. um, That's a great question. I... <laughs> So the song's called Everybody Worships Something. Um, and mm. that line in particular is about in the United States, there's these conflicting ideas of what freedom is, because for some people, mm-hmm. the ideas of having our children murdered in schools so we can have AR-15s is freedom. And for some people, mm. um, yeah. having children being able to go to school without um, facing violence is, is freedom. And, um, Mm. so by that line, I mean, like freedom is what you see in, in a situation. It's just like, it's such a, it's a debatable kind of term. That's what I meant. Make sure you all listen to that song. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, back to you, Dr. Shonda. (laughs) Yes. Back to, back to our guests. But where can we find the song though? Where, where can we listen? Oh, you can listen on all streaming platforms. It'll be out by now. And, um, Spotify. Trish is kind of a big deal. You know, I'm a a big deal. I'm a small deal, but I'm a deal. A small deal? (laughs) Like a kid's meal, you know? A deal, a deal nonetheless. A deal nonetheless. I was thinking of that actually. Like if you're at, if you're at Wendy's, you're the medium sized combo. I am. Yeah, I disagree. She's super sized. Okay. (laughs) I'm all super sized. So, okay, so Dr. Shonda, what what I, what made you choose psychology as a field? Yeah, yeah. Um so really kind of addressing the the disparities, the health disparities that we experience um in terms of like black people mm-hmm. um and people of color overall, we experience mental health at more rates than our white counterparts, but we receive less treatment. We're less likely to go to therapy. We're less likely to be insured mm-hmm. to have Uh, therapy covered in the first place. Um, And so really, you know, recognizing that I wanted to make change and I felt as though the best way that I can make change is to pursue like the highest degree possible in that field. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's what really motivated me. You know, when I think about psychology and black people and even what I've been reading. Okay. So first off, I think everyone listening to this show knows that I I'm healing from CPTSD and depression and anxiety. I write songs about all the kind of stuff. The literature I'm learning on the intersection of race mm-hmm. and the effects of, of racism on racialized people and mental health is thin, right? And so like, it's funny, I was reading this book the other day. It's called Living While Black by a French psychologist, Black French psychologist. And she was like, yeah, you go to the psychologist and you say, I'm dealing with racial stress and they want to ask you about your relationship with your mother, right? Um, 
showing like the the inadequacy of some of these systems. And I wondered, what's your take on that? Is that something that you see? And how do you as a psychologist navigate that with your clients and your, or, or their patients? I don't know what the proper term is. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can use either one. Um, so, so, yeah, so it's definitely something that I see. And if you were to ask that question to like somebody else, you might get varying answers. Right. Some psychologists or other profession. Yeah. Other people in the profession might say, oh, they don't see it. But I really think that's just a testament of how willfully ignorant people are. I feel as though after going through Mm -hmm. COVID and seeing the racial uprisings and seeing the things like in our faces that we can no longer deny and people still choosing to deny that in this profession, I really feel as though like that's a slap in the face, number one, to us that's doing yeah. the work. And number two, uh, it's a disservice to the clientele because, you know, every client that you're going to see, they have some sort of race, right? Whether it's a black co- client or a white yes. client and race is a part of our identity. So mm-hmm. choosing mm-hmm. to dismiss that and to not see it, you're you're essentially that is racism, right? That's colorblindness. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely something that I see. I am a big fan of um, Dr. Joy DeGroy and her work. I know she's starting to, uh, her work mm-hmm. is starting to resurface on TikTok lately. But when I was in mm-hmm. grad school, um, she was like, her work was a part of like what motivated me to want to look more into um, the mental health of Black mm-hmm. people and how we can incorporate mm-hmm. uh, faith-based strategies and working with African-American mm-hmm. clientele. Um, because I strongly believe that, again, yes, we're talking about it, but these disparities still exist. Like it's, it's still something yeah. that's impacting us today. I was just going to ask about your, um, our, the American healthcare system. Like, what do you think, what changes do you think we need to see? Like, what are your feelings about universal healthcare? How do you think we make these things more accessible? What pathway do you see for that? Um, so my thoughts on the American healthcare system, short answer is trash. Um, <laughs> very much, very much trash. I uh, do not recommend two out of 10. Um, but no, so one of the things that I've really been thinking about in this profession is that like, yeah, we talk about uh, black people. We need to go to therapy. You need to find a therapist that fits, you know, you all these mm. like, you know, things that's been popular over the past three, two, three years, right? But I don't think that we're really taking into consideration these barriers that really impacts us from being able to go to therapy in the first place. Like insurance companies right. are really screwed up. I don't know if y'all know this, but it's it's really hard <laughs> mm-hmm. for providers to work with insurance companies. And it's hard for, you know, our clients to be able to get coverage uh, for for therapy, right? So I know it's something that therapy has been glorified, but I really think Outside of the provider, outside of the insurance companies, there has to be policy. Black individuals actually going to therapy and remaining right. in therapy uh, because you might start, but then you have to stop. Because, um, and you have like therapists having to provide diagnoses to people in order for the insurance to reimburse. Like it's so screwed up on so many different levels, mm-hmm. y'all, uh, which is one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I recently started a program called the Pay What You Can Therapy Program. Um, and I'm finding even when I have people apply and I have them give me a rate that they can afford. It's hard for Americans to conceptualize like, OK, what is an affordable rate that I can pay for health care? Because I, nobody's ever asked me this yes. before. Like, is this OK? Can I pay for this? Like, it's it's such a foreign concept. That was a long winded answer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, no, it's a not. You're answer. here to talk. Yeah. We're here for you. We love to hear you talk. <laughs> we do. In, in fact, it's, it's the more you talk, the better. And. 
correct me if I'm wrong. Talk therapy is like a largely like I, I know it's a largely white population that has like been um been researched and white population that are the actual like providers. Um, do you see like the, the history of talk therapy? Do you see the impact of that? Or like are are there things in like talk therapy culture that um you feel are like problematic because of the origins of it? Yeah. So a lot of the therapeutic so amongst like in, in let's see, let's say um talk therapy is like a general category, right? In that category, there are like subcategories of different types of it. So we have like cognitive behavioral therapy. We have dialectical behavioral therapy, like these different types of talk therapy within that, in the talk therapy space. A lot of the therapeutic modalities that clinicians like myself and like other people we went to school for were created by white men and normed on a population of mostly white people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a mm -hmm. lot of these um, mm -hmm. systems, like there was a, a sister on TikTok, I forgot her name, but she talked about how um, dialectical behavioral therapy, this specific therapeutic modality that we learn in school is essentially, um, you know, it's very much rooted in white supremacy. And we don't realize it because we're just in mm -hmm. school learning about it. Yeah. We're just uh, talking about it. And, um, you know, assume to like facilitate this to our clients who are experiencing these different uh, situations. So, I, I do think it can be harmful if we're not aware of the ways in which it reinforces white supremacy. And that's why I think that we have to be culturally sensitive in mm -hmm. the ways that we approach our clientele and incorporating things that um, are that they deem necessary for their overall healing. Right. So I'm a firm believer in holistic healing. Uh, when my clients come to me like, yes, we can we can mm -hmm. do the therapeutic modalities that I'm used to and also or that I learned in school. And also like, let's incorporate some, some prayer in there. Let's incorporate some, like, what are some spiritual mm -hmm. faith-based strategies that you might find helpful? Because that can also impact mental health mm -hmm. as well. Right. So it's all about not using one cookie cutter mm -hmm. approach, um, but more so kind of like, again, like using yeah. culturally sensitive types of therapeutic modalities. So I know one of the things you're uh, passionate about, Dr. Shonda, is transgenerational trauma. And I wonder if you could talk about what that looks like in the therapeutic relationship with your clients? Yeah, so a part of the work that I do with transgenerational trauma um, really started with me, uh, again, doing that research with Dr. Joy DeGroy. That was one of the things that she talks about in post-traumatic slave syndrome. And she basically mm -hmm. hypothesized how uh, when a group of individuals, they experience ancestral trauma, such as slavery, and mm -hmm. that same group of people continues to experience things like racism and discrimination years and years and years after, then of course, uh, that trauma can be passed down transgenerationally. And that is how we get that mm -hmm. transgenerational trauma. That is what we, um, the, or the mm -hmm. post-traumatic slave syndrome, um, what that mm -hmm. might look like. So a lot of the things that we experience, how we think collectively, how we respond collectively as a mm -hmm. people can be traced back to our ancestry, right? So when we think yeah. about like the hypervigilance, when the police come around or, you know, uh, mm. things like, you know, I want to say like what she talked about in her book was like how occasionally how we respond to um, like authority figures, things of that nature, like yeah. or, or that fear based um, anxiety that we experience with authority figures. Like she traced that back to like, again, like ancestral trauma. And so when we think about like how it shows up in the therapeutic room, 
So oftentimes people come to see me kind of already having an idea of how these things might come up. So yeah. they might, you know, already be able to verbalize like some of the things that they experience, such as like the hypervigilance with police or um, just feeling constantly on edge when talking about or experiencing mm -hmm. racism and things of that nature. So in the therapeutic setting, we would, of course, like, of course, like discuss that, process that, um, assess emotions around it. Right. Because far too often we've been uh, conditioned to experience things and then just kind of like sweep it under a rug or just power through it or just like strong arm mm -hmm. our way through it when in actuality that does more damage than it does good. Right. So. So really right. just kind of like addressing the emotions around it and really like just reprocessing that trauma so it doesn't impact us mm. as much. How do you, so this is a, this is honestly a, a conundrum that I feel sometimes. It's like, we know that some of the stuff is passed, but some of the stuff continues to happen, right? Yeah. So what does wellness look like when you're continuing to confront the microaggressions mm. at work? the the vicar the secondhand trauma from the news you know and then your personal experiences of overt racism wherever that might happen because i'm sure most black people have some story of some some kind you know profiling a stop and frisk a, a traffic stop something you know how do how, what does wellness look like in that context yeah so so <laughs> I always say like to be black in America, like that that's traumatic in itself. Um, but really like in the midst of the trauma, how we build our resilience and being mm -hmm. resilient doesn't necessarily mean that I have to constantly be strong or I have to be hard as a rock. No, resilience means yeah. that I can have these experiences and also appreciate like blackness and celebrate blackness, have a pride in mm -hmm. what it means to be black. Because when individuals do experience these traumas and some of the things that we experience um, as a result of white supremacy, it does impact self-esteem. It does impact yeah. like how we might see ourselves in comparison to our white counterparts. It can impact like overall, um, you know, anger and just again, like that hypervigilance piece. But also, you know, we can experience these really difficult things without allowing it to impact our overall sense of self and what that means about us. Um, in terms mm -hmm. of our black. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, I've been trying to pay more attention to um, my physical body and the actual feeling, like my nervous system. What mm -hmm. is the physical impact on this generational trauma, like on our nervous systems, on bodies? For sure. So, so when we think about trauma, um, whether it's like racially related or, or you know, anything else, uh, our bodies are activated, right? So our sympathetic nervous mm -hmm. system is activated. And so when we experience like that activation of the sympathetic nervous system, that's where we experience like that, our hand shaking, um, the, you know, uh, heart palpitations, like deep and heavy breathing, uh, feeling hot, right? So like all of those things are a result of our brain having um, some sort of, there, there's a fear stimulus that our brain is like processing in the moment, Right. And so when all of these things are impacted, what we're the, the body is sending the message that we have to prepare ourselves to either run or to fight the situation off. The same exact thing can happen when we're experiencing racial trauma. Right. So if I can give an example. So, um, again, like throughout 2020, a lot of us were watching what was going on on TV um, with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And we literally had a nine minute video of um, them with a, a knee on 
the neck of George Floyd, right? And so that was televised. People had to sit there and watch it. And for a lot of us, uh, that we ex- were traumatized or, or re-traumatized yeah. based on yeah. watching that video. And so for me, like, I don't know about y'all, but like my heart was racing when I saw that, right? My hands mm-hmm. were shaking, right? This isn't a coincidence. And if I talk to somebody else, I'm sure they had pretty similar physiological responses, right? So this is our body's way of responding when we see uh, threatening images. And I do think that it is, um, it's more significant and it's more intensified, especially when it's somebody who looks like you, like when it's somebody who's experiencing these things who are within your, um, your, your racial group. Yeah. You know, you, you connecting the dots between that and the murder of George Floyd just reminds me of a lot of your public work in general online, because you show up on Instagram, especially talking about um, Black liberation, talking about racial justice and, and whatnot. And I wondered if you could talk about what you're doing online and why that's so important to you and whatever else, you know, um, that brings up for you. Yeah, so really, um, I, I'm, I'm always nervous with posting online because it's like, oh my gosh, what if like a client sees this or like what if? But then I always have to check myself because I'm not, like doing anything or saying anything that I wouldn't say to somebody else in real life. Right. Right. Um, But I will say that, you know, a lot of the work that I do online is really for the people who can't come to the office. Right. It's for the people who Mm -hmm. might not have access to like a black psychologist um, because it's really only, I want to say 3000 black women psychologists in America. It's not a lot of us. Yeah. Yes. Not a lot of us at all. Um, it's for the people who might not be able to to come see a psychologist. Um, and so a part of my work is kind of like leveraging on the fact that people care about what I have to say, I guess, a little bit and really kind of like using my mm-hmm. voice to to talk about things um, related to pop culture, to talk about things related to uh, the liberation of black people and really mm-hmm. ultimately to utilize social media as a tool um, for education and liberation. We like to wrap things up with this question. What keeps you going? What keeps me going? Hmm. I think really staying rooted in my mission and my vision. Um, So I know that when I'm doing this work, uh, of course, like, you know, it's going to be everybody may not agree with me and that's okay. However, I think that continuing to prioritize the needs of the community, the Black community, and um, recognizing that our needs have been on the back burner for so long. That's what, what really keeps me going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I continue to to stay rooted and grounded in that because there are days where I, I don't feel like working. I don't feel like right. posting. I don't feel like podcasting. I don't feel like doing any of these things. Um, mm-hmm. But also kind of like staying rooted in Okay, what is your purpose, right? Like, what is my calling? I, I, I genuinely feel as though this is something that God called me to do. So I continue mm-hmm. to, to rely on that. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for being here with us and yeah. sharing your wisdom and your story. It was a pleasure. Um, you all listening will hear from us next week. Gosh, I forgot. Is that how I close this out? I always get weird yeah. about this. You're just like, see you later. I still haven't figured this one. I know how I, I know how to start the show. I've been doing that very well for five years now. Everyone listening, we'll be back probably next week. 
Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> cool. Thanks for choosing to listen today. You can catch up with our hosts online. Trish's is at Trish's Music. That's spelled T-R-I-S-H-E-S Music on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Andre is at the Andre Henry on Instagram and TikTok and at Andre Henry on Twitter. Catch the songs you heard today and more of their music on Spotify. If you'd like to support what we're doing here and see the video of Andre and Trisha's conversation, you can join the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Andre Henry. Thanks again and we'll see you next time. <laughs>